on and we are live. Uh, oh, you got it this time. Yeah, I got the one correct. <laughs> you got it. We are at episode 34 and we have here a very special guest today. He won the Governor's General's Award also and many other awards. And we welcome Duncan Weller today. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's an honor to have you on today. Thanks for awesome. having me. It's an honor for me, even though I just met you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. good. That's good. Yeah, very, because... Very excited. Logan, you ran into Duncan, right? At the... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, well, I've, I've run into a couple of times there. Um, like, my children were very interested in your works, and we, we would always peruse your wares there, and yeah, it was always very interesting to see your artwork. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I don't remember you because you were one of thousands. No, you know, no, I, and, I, and I get no, that. Sorry. But, yeah. no, it's, but it's it's awesome to see. No, you I remember when you invited me for the, for this. So that's 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 great. Yeah, yeah but, no. they're, but they're actually literally. I mean, I'm in trouble now because I get all kinds of people mixed up. I don't know where I met them. I just assume it's the country market. Gotcha. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's more the kids that I start to recognize because there's fewer of them. Yeah. And, but the the parents. Uh, they start to blend. I know that sounds insulting. To I feel sorry for people listening to this, but uh, after five years of country market stuff, you know, and people will say, "Oh, I remember when we were talking about this?" And I'll say, "Oh, when was that?" And it was like two years ago. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting, but it's uh, it's it's not something that most writers would have to deal with because they don't sit at a booth. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not trying to sell their books at a at a at a booth. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, couple times a, a week sort of thing that they they have a publisher and an agent mm-hmm. and they do all this stuff and you they hopefully they if they if they're a big enough company they'll send you around to different cities and you sign books say hello and then you never see them again yeah. so uh, I, you know there's certain people of course that I remember that come back on a regular basis mm-hmm. and uh, what's great about Thunder Bay and what's supportive what's amazingly supportive um, yes is uh, is I actually have fans. I mean, people who come back and definitely, and they've bought the books two, three, even four times over, mm-hmm. and they they call it taking a piece of Thunder Bay. So they're taking it to other cities. I believe that's so much. No, D- Dubai, South America, yeah. Japan, wow. Korea. You know, all well, over. It's, it's the same. Like um, you would hear a lot of people. Oh, I'm going to the Persian Man because I'm going on a trip, and my friends love Persians. <laughs> like it's 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 kind of the same. And way. how far do they take the Persians? Though? They dry out at a certain point. Well, they, before they get to Dubai, right? I, I'd assume so. Yeah, but I, I've I've heard them go as far as like uh, like other countries, like yeah. Europe and stuff like that. Like, oh, like, really? Wow. Like you can buy them without the filling on them, and oh, just the pastries right. themselves, yeah. and then you put the filling when That's you get there. Mm-hmm. We got so, so many little companies that started up that that are doing incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. The hot sauce guys, whose names I should know, but they do they're doing. Oh, the heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hot, sauce? hot sauce. Yeah, yeah. I've been meaning yeah. to get some though because I've. I've been doing like the store bought hot sauce. Yeah, it's really good. They got different flavors, and, and it hasn't. Well, like for me, like I buy Frank's Red Hot or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and I'm getting used to it now, and it's not hot enough. So like, oh yeah, I have uh-huh. to get something hotter. Yeah, yeah, they were on YouTube too, right? They were featured on that YouTube show where I, they have uh, famous people. Try oh, out uh, hot ones. Yeah, hot ones. It's a really good show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really good show. Yeah. Okay. No. So awesome. I came yeah. across your first book that we read to my son was Big Electric Cat. Oh yeah. And he loved it. Oh good. Yeah. It's a fantastic story. So that's that's the first book and we picked it up at the library. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, actually my most popular book of the bunch. And uh, I've been trying to figure out what makes it popular because yeah. there's a lot of books out there that have uh, the monster character, the big creature who mm-hmm. makes friends with the the little the child, right? There's lots of stories like Godzilla and everything else. So it's kind of my 
Godzilla book. It was more inspired by Maurice Sendak, who did Where the Wild Things Are. So anyone who uh, knows that book can okay. see that I've stolen his claws and I've stolen his trees. And the reason I wrote the book is because as a kid, I loved the book so much, I was hoping he would do more. But he never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sendak went off and he did more uh, deep. He started reading deep into himself and trying to you know, bring out his own personal Jewish history and whatnot okay. into his works. So he made some really interesting works, but they're actually better for adults than for kids. Kids didn't really like them as much. Mm-hmm. He's done other great books. Uh, he did books, mm. greater books after that. But, but, more, but his um, uh, Where the Wild Things Are was just classic. So I thought, well, why don't I do my own? So I kind of did two books that are sort of similar in, in, some, in some ways with monsters. And Big Electric Cat was, uh, was one of them. Yes. And the title actually comes from a song by Adrian Ballou, who was the lead singer for King Crimson for a while. And in one of his solo albums, he's got Big Electric Cat. And basically he just sings that over and over again. Okay. And it's stuck in my head. And when King Crimson came to play at Vancouver, I took the book and I... I guess I gave it to him. I passed it to somebody. You know, he may have got it. I never heard back. But <laughs> maybe he didn't like it. I have no idea. But it was, it was interesting. But, like, if you wouldn't mind if you, like, maybe want me to shed some light on maybe why. Sure, yeah. Go ahead. It, no, it, I like hearing what other it's, people it's have It's this say. very interesting story. Like, I, I, was, I was like, this is, this is wild. Like, this is, where did this even come from? Like, there's so many different things going on in here. And, yeah, you're right. It is, it is kind of like your, your big monster story because it's, he f- fights a storm a tornado it literally jumps into a tornado and it's just these beautiful pages like like i love the artwork by the way how um, do you draw wind yeah and, and for anybody yeah. who doesn't know duncan is writing and he's also yeah. painting and creating and, the and they're they're fascinating right. like i was um i'm gonna get to that in a little bit but it's it's and it's also even though the cat doesn't talk like there's there's still some heartfelt sentiment with the child that he meets and I also found it funny that you've also mentioned earlier that he, he maybe eats adults or something. Like I was yeah, like, he's protecting the what? <laughs> he's protecting the the town called Bayo, which is mm-hmm. in Spanish is beautiful, uh, and the town doesn't have any car. There's hints about the kind what kind of town it is. Yeah. Uh, the tornado was supposed to have all kinds of equipment flying around in it with computers and cell phones and all kinds of mechanical junk. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that this would represent the North and our technology and everything else. And, uh, and the cat, that's a big technological machine that from escapes circus, from right? the North, is protecting yeah. what's old and traditional in a Mexican town. Because when I went to Mexico years ago, they got invited down there by, I was working, working in an art supply shop. Very nice. And this young, beautiful Mexican woman came in and... She said she didn't speak any, or her sister said she didn't speak any English, which turned out to be a lie. She was just so shy. Oh, okay. She didn't want to try speaking any English. Yeah, that makes sense. So I didn't speak any Spanish, so I just spoke in English, and apparently she understood most of what I was saying. <laughs> and, uh, and I showed her all the art supplies that we had and whatnot, and she got a few things. And when I went to step out for lunch, uh, her mother and her sister were there, and they invited me down to Mexico. And I thought, oh, this is some kind of ruse. Oh. <laughs> you know what? In this, in this day and age, you're, you're probably... Yeah, uh, but, to it, yeah. but it, it, it was an invite down to, uh, to, uh, to, to Mexico, Texcoco, outside of Mexico City. Very nice. And uh, no, they were, I stayed with a family in, in Mexico for like a month, and they toured me around. Oh, wow. It was fantastic. So I went to the temples of, uh, they lived near the temples of Teotihuacan, I'm not pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. And uh, everywhere I went, all these villages, there, were, there was always 
music and sometimes protests, but there was uh, you know, parties galore and uh, outdoor performances. One where the security guard got drunk and started shooting up into the sky. And yeah, there's lots of guns. You, you see lots of guns down there. So oh, it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty amazing. And then uh, uh, just, just the Mexicans that I met down there, they all, the young people, they all wanted to move to Canada because mm-hmm. it's safe it's clean mm-hmm. there are rules to you can go by whereas in Mexico you're driving along and there's packs of dogs roaming around there's a dead horse on the side of a dead donkey and there's speed bumps everywhere and uh, you do not stop for uh, boxes that may look like they fell off a truck or something yeah. like that because yeah, you can get mugged in fact one of the buses we were on was uh, uh, stuck in traffic for two hours because ahead of us uh, an entire bus was uh, robbed and uh, they uh, killed someone on the bus. Oh my god! So you know, so they wanted to move oh, to Canada because sure. yeah. it's safe. But everywhere I went, uh, there were these beautiful little towns with town squares, whole families out at night. Mm-hmm. And for me, the big, the one that was that, that really sort of uh, struck me the most was San Luis Potosi. Okay. And it's not like the most beautiful city, but within the city, there's town square backed up to town square. And uh, late 11 o'clock at night, whole families are out walking around and they're setting up fireworks and they have mm-hmm. music, they have bands and everything. And uh, It's a different lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. is. And I thought, wow, you know, this, this kind of thing needs to be protected. So they wanted to modernize. And here I'm thinking, why can't we have, you know, both? So I thought, well, why not have this, something that represents North America protecting a small town in Mexico Okay. from a tornado from the north. So you have these two opposing uh, movements of some kind. They could be ideologies mm-hmm. or change or what, whatever they represent. Yeah, for sure. But they battle each other, and the cat is that's mechanical is, is saving what's what's old and traditional. Mm-hmm. And if, if you wouldn't mind commenting, uh, I had noticed that maybe the, the cat was maybe drawn a little more uh, grotesque. With an eye popping out. With the, well, like he, he's, his patches are coming right. off, right? He at the end, his hands are basically like seared, like his claws look like they've been cooked almost. Yeah, yeah. And he's still he's, like, oh, he's yeah. fighting the lightning bolts. Absolutely, that but that, yeah, yeah. that was kind of a sacrifice he went through, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Maybe you'd like to comment on why you drew him in that way. Uh, it's a science fiction aspect for it, and it shows, okay. it shows that he's just had a battle, and yes, yeah, for he's, sure. He's willing to sacrifice himself for something that's uh, bigger than him, mm-hmm. which is the ultimate sacrifice. The yeah, well, and, it's the ultimate sacrifice. And the, yeah. the town, the beauty, the, the, yeah. the stuff that's. I'd like to say old-fashioned or traditional anymore because it sounds like it's in the past, but these things are perennial. Mm-hmm. In Thunder Bay, we need a town square. Why do people come to the country market? Because it's like a town square. Absolutely, yeah, it's very right? true. Saturday mornings from eight to one. Yeah, just to advertise. <laughs> and, no, but uh, yeah, hundred percent. But that's what we need to do. I mean, there's supposed to be a market built at the waterfront. I hope that goes up. It's a parking lot right now. But it would be so nice if there was a market down the waterfront. Ah, okay. But once you get that town square feel, whether it's like Grand Marais or even Duluth, they develop their waterfront. We mm-hmm. do the same kind of thing. You get people coming out. And town squares are so beneficial because if you design them right, main floor is shops. Yeah. Second floor is doctors, accountants. Uh, dentist offices and that kind of thing and then the third or fourth floor are residents mm-hmm. uh, and you you have it mixed so you have uh, low uh, low cost housing and then yep. you have uh, penthouses on top for the wealthier people and the reason you mix it like that is because the people who do have money can hire the people who don't have a lot of money 
and they get to know each other. Everyone gets to know each other right. in the town square. You know who's it's like an ecosystem. Yeah, you know who's stable too. and who's not so stable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, each and when you have these town squares backed up against each other, you've got senses of community. Yeah, it's interesting. Different. It sounds very European. Like I grew, oh, yeah, I grew up in yeah. Germany. Exactly, it's very for, European. Yeah. In Germany, probably in any other town too, in or country, you have the town square, and every weekend or. Every, even there's a market there. Like yeah. you can buy fresh produce, anything really. Exactly, and there's no cars, you so you're safe. So kids could run around, be free, <laughs> yeah, and not have to just spend time on the sidewalks. So you go to any major city, children are stuck on a certain width of concrete, and the rest of the space is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird, strange way to live. The reason why Disneyland is so popular is because you park your car outside, you go in, and immediately you're in Europe. But it's a better year because it got rides. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or we know. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the Disney had the foresight to see that these traditional things were being pushed out of the way. And when I say traditional, I should say perennial, because it's basic for human nature. And this is the way things have been designed for thousands of years: is the town square concept. Whether mm-hmm. it's First Nations people building, right, uh, or should say, should say, setting up uh, tents or huts or uh, you know, the community. It's it's done in a similar fashion. It also protects from the wind, the elements, this kind of thing. And yep. most town squares will have verandas and that kind of thing, especially around, of course, around Europe. Well, Mexico, of course, too. And then it yeah. protects you from the sun, the wind, the snow. Mm-hmm. And in Montreal, they've got areas where they have awnings that go out for uh, blocks and blocks. That you can So in the winter, the snow just goes off of the street and yeah. you can walk protected. From no, it's, it's a smart right. idea, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that... Oh, and uh, in a sense... Some of my books are inspired by uh, James Howard Kunstler, who, uh, an American who wrote about uh, how cities formed and developed and how it's changed from the okay, past. Wow. And he did about three books. And then, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? Uh-oh, I forgot her name. Maybe she's, she's uh, an American who wrote about uh, New York City being devastated by a highway that went through. And she was so upset with that, she wrote a, mm-hmm. a book. And uh, she became a guru for quite a while. And I can't believe I forgot her name, but... She's uh, she, she passed away, but uh, she had great influence too, much along the lines of, of, of Kunstler's books too, trying to resurrect what is uh, human and natural about the uh, uh, well architecture as well as the street environment, mm-hmm. where trees should be, should be, how wide street should be. The, this get to a certain width of a street, and you 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 stop people from crossing it, and you you can destroy whole communities. Based on how wide the street oh, is. Oh yeah, yes, for sure. It's so true. It's <laughs> yeah. in the details, right? Yeah, yeah. But you don't think about that. No, really. Well, we're so used to living in an environment that was that was designed for suburbs and uh, materialism, marketing, selling cars and washing machines and, and everything, and dividing people up and sending them off to zoning them out into certain communities. So any major city you go to now is a downtown core. Well, it's mostly buildings now, but uh, you, know, you think of old Montreal and, uh, and Quebec City. You, there's livable downtown areas that have a mix of everything that you could possibly want mm-hmm. within a five-minute walk. But after that, I mean, after World War II, the, the, say, well, maybe some of it a bit earlier, but after World War II, everything was designed for the car. Mm-hmm. So you have the school zone, the business zone, oh, yeah. the marketing zone, the shopping mall. Shopping malls came along afterwards. And actually, they're starting to die now. The shopping malls are starting to die. Yes, right yes, they there. are. Yeah. Absolutely. People are going back, moving down into the cities, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is having a huge effect on world population. Yes. 
Okay. It's, um, it's, it's all intermixed. It's, it is in decline. Uh, if you look at places like Japan. Yeah. Uh, since, I think it's a couple of years ago, they've literally lost a million mm-hmm. people just due to yeah, old it's, age. It's 100,000 a year, apparently, yes. or more. Yes, and, right. and like it's... I'm not too. I'm not 100%, but I believe it's most people are trying to focus on their own careers, like their careers, and focus on that and their advancement. And no one's yeah. producing a family. Like no one is having a family anymore. Yeah, literally, the difference is is um, children are uh, useful out in the farm. When you're when you have a yes. farm line, you have two, three, four yes. kids. A couple of them don't survive, but the ones that do survive, they work for you eventually. Yeah. When you have a child in the city, it's an extra mouth to feed. So, and it's more difficult to, a child is much more difficult to deal with when you're in a, in a, in a city. Well, as, as the years go on, children, child care does get more expensive. That too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it gets extremely more expensive. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, when the rent goes up and you got two people and the average life expectancy of a job in Canada is three years or three or four years, one of you is going to lose your income. Mm-hmm. So the other person has to, uh, cover for you that's hard on on relationships absolutely and then Mm -hmm. to throw a child in there and you know i got friends who are divorced in toronto and they each have a house but their parents had to dish out hundreds of thousands of dollars to help them out okay this is getting negative (laughs) (laughs) okay Um, by the way all this kind of stuff and learning about this stuff is actually beneficial for a children's book author because how the world changes it makes it interesting you get ideas from the world around you. Well, I do know there are some that do specific books about divorce. Yeah, oh no, oh, no. Like, I don't do issue books. No, no, I know I what avoid, you mean. I avoid all that. I know, oh, I see. You know, but like maybe I, it's know. like a, a child. People say, why don't you do a book about this? Because there's this I issue, gotcha. there's this disease, there's yeah, these people mm-hmm. we need to help. You, and, you know, and, I'm, and the problem with those books is that they're short-lived usually. Uh, not oh, so much because the problem disappears, but because the emphasis on that problem disappears. So it's it's just quick because everybody needs something new. It's like a hot topic for that time. Right. Yeah. And that bullying it comes in and it goes around and around, right? So why, yeah. do you do, why don't you do a book on bullying? And I think, well, in a way, you, you could do that kind of thing in, in, in a number of different ways. It doesn't have to be so specific. So in a... This is the wonderful thing about doing children's books is because you're working with text and illustrations, you can write a story, but then in every single illustration, if you wanted to, you could add extra dimensions and more meaning. So you think of uh, mm-hmm. a book of political cartoons, for example. If there was a thread that sort of tied the cartoons together, but then in each page you turn it, each cartoon has a different subject matter. So you, you literally could do this with, with a book. Mm. Um, and and with picture books, you can you can shingle layers of meaning. Yeah, very true. And be, uh, there's a certain finesse that goes with that because if you don't put enough clues in, people yeah. don't get it, mm-hmm. or they totally misread it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And then I've I've had an interpretation for uh, uh, the Ug and the Drip that was so bizarre. I thought, oh no, what did I, I must have really screwed up. <laughs> and then another book. Uh, uh, I thought it was dead. It was Nightwall. And I thought I'd left just enough clues to get the meaning across. But nobody got it. And I thought, ah, it didn't work. I messed up. <laughs> I got you. I should have made the, the monsters a little bit more scary. And, you know, and I kept thinking what was wrong with it. And I looked at the writing, and it didn't help that the editor uh, changed things on me. I had this, the reason I published yeah. my own books now is because I had a okay. publisher who messed around with me and didn't pay me and whatnot. And there's, there's a, you, if you find that page on the uh, on the internet, it goes into great detail. I interviewed like uh, 
how did I lie? Over 50 people had been ripped off by this guy, and we got his funding cuts and this kind of thing. Anyway, so the editor doesn't mess around. Yeah, oh no, <laughs> doesn't mess around. Yeah. It's everywhere, oh, yeah. right? You have to be careful. Absolutely, you do. Yeah, yeah. and but unfortunately, for this is going to sound terrible, but in Canada, many Canadian publishers they treat contracts like pieces of paper, so you have to, you know, do some background checking. But anyway, so here's Nightwall. I thought I'd messed it up, and uh, I do readings at the schools every once oh, in a while. Awesome, and. Uh, I was reading, pre presenting Nightwall, and I use a projector, so I have the text and illustrations uh, up on a screen. And uh, this one, as we got halfway through the book, or three quarters of the way through the book, and there was this young girl, she's probably, I don't know, seven to, seven to nine, and she, all of a sudden, she, she perked up, she stuck her hand up in the air, and she said, and, and she, she was, oh, 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 and usually I don't allow anyone to ask me questions mm -hmm. while I'm reading, and I take questions afterwards. But she was so excited. I said, oh, "I said, so, well, what's your question?" She said, "I know what the book's about. I know what the book's about." And I said, "Okay, okay, but just come up and whisper in my ear, right? Because I didn't want her to blurt out something right, right. crazy in yeah. front of the other kids." And she came up and she whispered in my ear, and in two sentences, she nailed absolutely everything I was trying to do in the book. Wonderful. And she looked at me, and she could see the surprise in my face, like total <laughs> shock in my face. And this smile came on her, like yeah. she, she she knew that she, she got like she she got, she, it. She got it right. Yeah. And I looked at her, and I was just like I had this look of fear. I'm like, oh my god, you devil child, you you know yeah. how did you figure that out? And she sat back down and and just sat very erect, and very happy with his face, <laughs> yeah, a glowing little face. Like yeah. I got it, and every once in a while, while I was reading it, I'd stare at her and like, oh, it's a weird kid. <laughs> but then I thought she got it, like she's she put two and two together, and, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it clicked for her. And yeah. I thought I just need a few more clues. So I'm adding four more illustrations. I've changed the text. Uh, it's now, instead of two Canadians in B.C., it's going to be two Americans coming up from Los Angeles to B.C. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And they're going to get scared by these... Uh, well, I shouldn't say, but the idea is sort of that they could be uh, imaginary creatures, that they pretend exist, or it could be that there's Canadians in costumes that that have come out into the woods to to scare these these two women okay. or, or crazy yeah. kids who dress up uh but i want to leave it kind of mysterious as to what i have in my head what what yeah, happens yeah, but yeah, i want sure. to leave it mysterious on that point i have a question sure so duncan what gives you uh i call you are more than just an artist right you're an author as well the, i can can i call you creator is that okay yeah in in an over sense what does Absolutely. give you the greatest pleasure when you create something and then you it's like, do you, does it give you the greatest pleasure when you see people react to it, when they consume and they they live it and they identify themselves with it? That's a that's a big one, yeah, absolutely. When you when you get children reacting, mm -hmm. but a lot of the time children don't know how to interpret what they're feeling or or how to express mm. okay. what they. So, I finished a, a novel called Flight of the Silk, and it took me. I can't remember how long it was, six months or a year to, to do all the illustrations, just over 100 wow. uh, black and white illustrations for wow. it. And oh, thanks to the Ontario, thank you to the Ontario Arts Council for your support for <laughs> that Absolutely. particular book. Yeah, sure. And uh, um, I should say, I've got something like over $100,000 from Ontario Arts Council in the last 12 years, I think, something Good like for that. You. Very nice. Not uh, in the last six years, I haven't received anything from them except for uh, this one grant just recently, so we're do working on a sequel. Good. But to answer your question, um, it's 
with uh, Flight of the Silk, for which I got this grant years ago, uh, the Ontario Con Arts Council said, we can't give you any more grants until you finish off three of the projects. Because what would happen is they would say, you would ask for a certain amount and then give you half, right? Mm. They split the money yeah, yeah. with a whole bunch of other people. And, um, and then I would get halfway through the project and then I'd have to find other ways to make money. So I'd have to put the project on hold. And they said, uh, well, you know, you, we've given you this money for these other projects. You've got to finish off at least two or three of these, these projects. And I, oh, dear. <laughs> so, but it was good. I'm glad they, they, they pushed me to do it because I ended up working on all kinds of okay. other projects. I mean, I'm always a full-time artist. So, uh, so I finished off Flight of the Silk. And by the time it was done, and I've heard other authors say this, they finished a book and they're just so done with it, they don't even want to promote it. They don't want to talk about oh, it. They don't want to look at it again. Okay. It's finished. It's gone. And that kind of what ha what happened to me with Flight of the Silk. I thought, oh, I'm going to send it up to publishers, you know, because I'm all excited while I'm working on it. Yeah. This is going to be great. And then when it's done, you're like, oh, whatever. So I printed a few copies. <laughs> I sold a few copies. I didn't send it to any publishers. I thought, ah, it's a stillborn. <laughs> oh, I got you. It's not going to work. And I sold a few. Well, I think I sold maybe... That's a rocket. Yeah, that's it. It's a rocket. Flight of the Silk. So it sold maybe 100 and some odd copies or something like that. And uh, so far, I've had three children. Three, I think they're all boys so far, but gr girls have liked the book too. Mm -hmm. But I've had three boys say they've read it uh, more than once. And one kid, he said 50 times. And I said, no, you haven't. He said, no, yes, I have. And we had this big argument. Okay, you read it, you read it twice, right? No, I read it way more than that. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh, no, he's one of these crazy kids that have seen Star Wars like 30 times when it came out kind of thing, right? But um, uh, I thought, well, that's, that's good. I really got to maybe push this more, trying to find, try and find a publisher for it. But that's part of the, the big thrill. Uh, you put a lot of work into it. And then you, after it's done, you sort of forget how much work you put into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, I've gone back to uh, stuff that I've written in the past and, and sometimes, but not, not often, I'll go, wow, that's a really good line. I can't believe I wrote that. I wrote that? You know? Yeah, it's good to look back. It, it is, absolutely. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. But the absolute biggest thrill of all is you have an idea in your head. You think, oh, this is going to be hard and complicated to accomplish. And then when you do it, or when you get close to the end is when you start and if it's working, you get really excited. Oh, this is going to work out. I can't believe it. And then when it's done and it's better than what you had in mind originally, mm -hmm. that's the big, exciting, mm. thrilling part because it's a lot of work and you have to enjoy the work. You have to enjoy the creative side of it or there's no point in it. Like you have to love the words and the order of the words and the syntax. Right. And can I throw in some new words? And, um, and who, what writer can I steal from to... <laughs> You know, and borrow a phrase or something like, like as, that. As, like, as me, I'm, I'm getting into my foray of the art world and whatever. Oh, yeah. I've heard that many times. Steal uh, from your favorite artist. But they there's say there's different kinds of stealing. Yeah. Well, there is, you're at, that's another thing. Yeah. They say there's, there's good stealing, there's bad stealing. There's like, don't just literally steal someone and copy them. Take many things that you like about them and try to imitate them, but don't necessarily copy them. Yeah. Like, uh, like how the how best Picasso's ones are. There's so many. Picasso yeah. styles don't, it. Don't be a Picasso. Steal from a hundred different artists and then no one will know the difference. This is one of the other comedy like jokes right. about it. <laughs> genetic genetic recombination is, yeah. is kind of what you're doing with... Uh, yeah. well, sometimes you don't even know it. You're not even aware of it until mm -hmm. someone po else points it out. Hey, you, that looks like Mobius or this looks like you know, yeah. something. And, and it's like, hard for you as a vi like to visually be like, oh, this looks like 
that part looks like this guy from that show and this guy. Well, oh, that's like the that. other problem is mm. when you're when I was doing Nightwall, for example, I would draw. I was trying. You have to be original. You can't have something that looks like a Disney character or right. something for The Simpsons. Oh yeah. And I, I never really. I was not. I'm not a super fan. I like the first two or three seasons of The Simpsons, and I didn't think any of the imagery was really stuck in my head, but. Every once in a while, Homer Simpson would turn up when I'm <laughs> sketching, right? Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? What is he doing there? <laughs> oh, there's another Don't one that looks like it? Homer Simpson, right? And I, you know, I can't use it. And uh, even with Big Electric Cat, I drew, the, I drew the cat. And then on television, there was this, like, this old Disney animated film I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's set in South America. And there's this big cat that pops up. And I thought, oh, no. Oh. Fortunately, he looked different, right? He was yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, thank God. But that's, that's one of the problems with pop culture now is there's there's so many cartoon versions out there what i'm really terrified mm-hmm. is, is someone having drawn the ug for example in the past oh i got you he's a totally original creation he just sort of popped into my head while i was uh working for a math professor to me he looks like amalgamation of like amorphous blobs just yeah kind of there yeah he's meant to be like a giant baby dinosaur oh yeah thing right for sure mm-hmm. but in the book what he represents childhood Okay. And That's what I see. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that. Yeah. yeah for he sure. represents uh, the idea that uh, children are born with uh, software, basically. Mm-hmm. Like and this is the basic science now is that we're not blank slates. We are. Uh, um, how do you say? Um, what was described as we're, we are like negatives. You dip the negative into the fluid, and there's a photo that comes up. And parents have really no control over who you are. <laughs> it's, it's very true. And that's why children are all different. Yep. So you mean they, like they preload it? You grew, yeah. You grow up in you in a certain way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And they've done this with twins, of course. Is uh, yeah. How close they are to making fun of people in an elevator is what two twins used to do on a regular basis when they were kids, but they never met each other. Mm. Right, and there's all this kind of strange stuff. Okay. But but I just wanted to say that you can't change a child's nature, but you can educate them. Mm-hmm. So in, mm-hmm. in the very cover of the book is Doctor Yes, and he's teaching this UG how to do all kinds yeah, of things, right there, right? math, yeah. he's creative, and everything else. But in his nature, he likes to knock over empty buildings. Yeah, because well, I, I was <laughs> the, the first one where the UG is just walking through the city. And you see him, and he's lit- he just punches one of the buildings. Right. And it's very impulsive. It's very just yeah. as if he's lumbering through. He doesn't realize what he where he is or what exactly is there, but it's like a tower of blocks, and he just wants to knock it over. And that's what I like to do as a kid. Well, yeah. My brother yeah. and I would But make- that's what we see, right? Yeah. That's what yeah. we see, but maybe he perceives it as something else. Absolutely. Because he's a child. But as, as like our adult brains are looking at children play, that's how we see Well, my brain. mother would try and stop us from uh, playing uh, war and, uh, and yeah. guns and stuff. Yeah. Like, it took away our toy guns, apparently. I don't remember this. But she said, I gave up because you would just pick up anything and pretend it was a gun <laughs> and run around shooting each other. It's so and- true, though. Yeah. <laughs> you did the same thing. Absolutely. It's... Yeah. it's yeah. I would say it's more of a, a boy uh, thing, but it, it that's the, how we are. The, the guns seem to be, I think, but girls are just as rambunctious as boys and will destroy as much as your furniture as, as I, boys will. I can definitely oh, yeah. speak to that. Um, my daughter is very feisty, yeah. um, and if she doesn't like something, uh, like she took an old pair of my glasses, and I said, <laughs> okay, time to put them away, and she took the arm and just... <laughs> Right, bent it and f- as a forty. Like, it just now it's like stuck as a forty-five. Oh right. boy! 
Yeah. <laughs> How did that make you feel? Well I, well, I was like, they're used, like, I don't wear the like, wrong prescription now, but I'm like, why? Like, yeah. It was just like, why is this a thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah but, and sometimes you can't stop them from doing absolutely. what they like to do. That's what, right. that's what life is about. Right? Oh, so, so actually, this is a leads into uh, what I just got a grant for is the chameleon snake. Okay. And yeah. uh, yeah. it's a it's a I call it a companion piece because it's not a sequel oh. to the love ant, and the love ant is about this ant who delivers a love letter from a male lovebird to a female lovebird, and he stays true to his friend and he delivers the letter and then there's a surprise ending, so the ant is a good natured ant and he's very friendly and he's he's uh, he's going to stay uh, true true to his friend deliver the letter. While other animals are saying, "Why are you delivering a letter for a bird when a bird can fly?" This, this, you know, it's going to be a dangerous yeah. mission for this ant. It's a good point. And the ant is strong, and he's going to carry this letter, no matter what. And he delivers. This is, so the twist at the end is is just sort of a kind of a funny add-on. But the the the, the real meaning is in, is is really the whole story. He's, he's a very um, he's an ant who uh, thinks of other people. Okay. Right. He's he, he's got empathy and whatnot, and the chameleon snake is not. He is a predator and he's a sociopath. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And in the first illustration, this is, I had to be careful with this, but uh, if you look closely, you can see. Uh, he, well, the the snake has. You can see that he's changed color. He's part orange and part green. Okay. So he's got the perfect camouflage, but he can also mimic other animals and uh, grasses around him and everything. So he's in his, in his room at the beginning, and uh, he's picked up the Jungle Journal. He's reading the Jungle Journal, and he wants to go see this uh, play that's advertised in the journal. And uh, the journal s- says that if you want to see this play, you can't eat anybody. You can't come into the library during the play. You can't be a predator, right? <laughs> so he's like, well, okay, well, I would practice not eating anybody. That's... <laughs> That's that's easy, right? Okay. And he says, by the and in the next illustration, he says, well, I just ate. <laughs> so if you look at the first picture, you realize he's not in his own house. There's a picture on the wall that says "Home Sweet Home." There's two oh, little characters man. in there, and the furniture's turned over, yeah. and the picture on the wall is tilted. Mm. So he's just had a fight, and he's just eaten two of yeah. the two of the animals at the yeah. beginning. Adults might notice it, and children hopefully won't be afraid because the idea is you show him eating two animals yes. at the very beginning of the book. Yeah. And, scare them so i managed to get everything in there that i wanted to very nice and uh and i asked when i i uh, one of the great things about reading to kids is you can ask them you know what's going on in this absolutely in yeah. this picture and i said look closely and they, and they start some of them start going oh <laughs> why is he not hungry now mm-hmm. oh because he ate he ate the people he ate the two animals in the and, and they're sort of unidentified. They could be pigs. They could be gerbils. They're oh, just sort okay. of these little fuzzy creatures. Can't quite make out the picture of them in the home sweet yeah, home yeah, picture. Yeah. But you, you get the gist of what, what right. just mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. So he's a psychopath. And, uh, uh, but yeah. he wants to go see this play. <laughs> um, so he practices on his way to the library. And he comes, I think he comes across the lizard, the little, uh, uh, what do you call them, geckos and things at first. And he comes up to them. And, oh no! The, an important part before that is he he hides among his friends, which are all vines. And he's given his the, the vines names. And, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, and it's supposed cool. to be Facebook. Yeah, yeah. The idea is that you've got all these friends, but he's got, he's, he says he's got five hundred friends. He's got names for all. I, them, I got right? you. Yeah. So I make a little comment nice. on Facebook. Yeah. That he he nice. doesn't have friends. If you're reliant on Facebook, you're probably a psychopath, is what I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding. So. <laughs> So the next illustration, he goes to he goes to the lizards and the little creatures, and uh, he says, "Wow, you know, I never noticed how beautiful they were before." 
and the message is that he's so busy eating that he doesn't take the time mm-hmm. to appreciate the value of other creatures. I got you. So the message to kids is delayed gratification, right, will get you somewhere. Yeah. What's that? Even if you're a psychopath. <laughs> what, is, what is delayed gratification right. nowadays? Yeah. So uh, this may have been inspired by Dexter. I don't know. Yeah, but then also even just in my thought that comes to my mind when you explain this, Duncan, it's also like slowing down too, right? Or appreciating yeah. what you have too in that moment. Yeah, and he doesn't realize he uses his skills to kill other animals, to eat, mm-hmm. right? He's using it specifically as camouflage. And then at the end of the story... He gets he gets hired by the uh, acting troupe that he meets the library, because he can change his skin color. And, oh, the, and the yeah. other actors like well, that's an amazing ability, so he gets hired on. And then he decides because he's got hired on, he makes friends at the end. Oh, okay. He thinks maybe I can change my ways. Maybe I can you know. So there's a hint that he might become a vegetarian. Oh, okay. Or is it could be like a, a scorpion and the frog <laughs> type story here. Like, well, yeah, you could you could end it that way where all the the other actors get eaten because one he's, day he gets hungry or he's something. He's the main act now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got promoted. He got That's promoted, right. Yeah. That's right. Somebody broke his leg. That might be the sequel. <laughs> That's kind of sad. But. but uh, it's kind of sick. No, you make it into a movie, though. I mean, you, oh, you develop a whole plot. Absolutely. You know? Trilogy well, of... Yeah, more things. delayed gratification. Maybe he's like, oh, I'm learning how to be nice. And he, and then he's like, oh, I can't help it. And he just eats everybody or something. Well, he has the fake friends at the beginning, the vines. Yes. And at the end, he has a variety of friends. All different kinds of animals who suddenly fall in love with him because when he falls out of the tree during the play, he laughs so hard because he hides himself in the tree. He falls out of the tree amongst the animals and they all freak out and they all go, snake. Yeah. <laughs> and he tries to hide himself and his body changes into the patterns of the animals around him. And they all, instead of being freaked out, they go, wow. Mm-hmm. And they, they're looking. And one, I'm going to have one little creature looking into the snake's skin. And this, the animal will say, you look like a mirror. And he <laughs> sees himself in the animal. Oh, yeah. So there's, if you want to read it in terms of deeper meaning, you could say, um, I don't know, some sort of psychological aspect of um, empathy. Yep. reflecting upon each other kind of thing you know mm-hmm. you yeah. have a couple animals doing that and then you know you, you try and get it bought by uh, English professors to analyze it <laughs> yeah deeply forever. analyze <laughs> this yeah <laughs> but but the idea is you, you have to focus on different kind of audiences which is you've got an adult reading the story so you got to make it enjoyable for them because sometimes they have to read it again and again and I always, as a kid, liked um, Calvin and Hobbes and things. Oh, God, yeah. You know? Actually, I wasn't a kid when I got Calvin and Hobbes, but my nieces have been reading that, and uh, Nev in particular. She's totally addicted to Calvin and Hobbes. Has I, memorized I absolutely love stuff. Calvin and Hobbes. So. And a lot of that stuff is just above her reading level. Okay. Right? She doesn't get it, I think, but she laughs. But even Harry Potter, uh, kids who were seven or eight years old were reading Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I would ask, do you understand that word? And they go... No, but in context of the sentence, yeah. they're figuring things out. So they're learning because the books are a little more advanced than they should be. Mm-hmm. So that's what I try and do with my books, too. And actually, that's one of the complaints I get from a lot of parents, especially parents who have uh, a university degree. They say the books are too dumb. Okay. They're all dumbed down. Why are they so simple? And, that, and lately, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I've been asking kids... Hey, do you like my books more than Robert Munch or, oh, okay. or Dr. Seuss, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. the response is overwhelmingly yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and even parents, because sometimes I'll ask the parents. And and uh, just sort of doing that to see, I don't know, 
it's partly competitive maybe, but but it's mostly it's important. Am I on the right track? Kind yeah. of thing, right? And I'm always thinking, am I on the right? How can I improve? What can I get better? Because mm-hmm. one of the things about and this is going to sound cocky, but if you've got some kind of talent, you want to see how far you can take it. Right. Whether you're a musician or mm-hmm. an actor or a comedian. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. No, and in some people. Well, yeah. Run, yeah, yeah, anything. If you're born with the physical or mental abilities to do something, you should see if you can take it as far as you can kind of thing because it's, it's not just beneficial for you, it's beneficial for other people. You know, you get an actor who does, who can really act and do things. I mean, you just think of uh, how much uh, a simple simple films like a series like James Bond is improved by, cause, because Daniel Craig can act. Yeah. And all of a sudden, oh, what, is he, what is he getting for his next film? I have, I have no $50 idea. Fifty million dollars uh, or something? Uh, <laughs> uh, so you know, take, taking trying oh, to get beyond. He, he your works level. out. Well, he that does. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he works out. There, there was actually a really neat. Um, I think it was CBC that did, uh, like researched it or had a bunch of scientists in it. And as people act, they are actually in their minds they becoming change. other people. Yeah. Well, it's one of the Heath Ledger was the problem is that he got so yes, much into the Joker and he killed them, himself yeah. as a result of that. Yeah. Right. And uh, other actors. Oh, who was it that was in such character? Everyone hated his guts. He stayed in the role for the, throughout the film. Well, I know Keith Ledger really adhered yeah. to it. Yeah, um, like he would even ask the director in his Joker voice, "Oh, can we not do it like this?" And he would be like, <laughs> "He's scared." Don't know how I get these scars <laughs> to the director. Like he would, he would actually like per- portray the, the Joker in these roles. So yeah, I know. Um, but I mean, oh, like I, I, I still love that movie. Like I, I find I love his portrayal of the Joker. Like just how far he went with it, mm-hmm. and it made sense. Yeah, it was like, simple. I did a lot of little simple things. Too, absolutely, right? so, like like it yeah. was um, akin to like I really love the cartoon uh, Batman. I know it's kind of cheesy. Oh, the cartoon! I love the cartoon, but uh, it it was almost like because the Joker should be. I perceive him as being above everything. Like he doesn't care about money. He just wants to challenge Batman essentially, and that's what he does. Like, yeah. Even in the cartoon. It's kind of the same way. Even though he's a little more corny, he's a little more yeah. sillier, but in Keith Ledger's aspect, it was dark, it was it was great. Mm. I have so many mixed feelings about the superhero movies and stuff and all the characters. Cause um, at one, on the one hand, I'm thinking, oh my God, I've seen another roller coaster ride. Like Mark, Martin Scorsese came out yeah. and was, was attacking the films. But one of the best uh, Iron Man films is where he loses the suit, right? He doesn't lose it, it's broken um, or something. Is that the f- third one, I think? And anyway, yeah, he, and he has know, to like rebuild it or something like that. I think so, but there's a, there's a huge section of the film where there's no action, and it's it's all about him. The character, and he's got a problem, and he yeah. decides that he doesn't need the suit. He's gonna he's gonna go and try to do the right thing without it. Yeah. and and think, oh, okay, that's it was a good message. So there are good messages in these uh, in in the superhero films, uh, but they tend to get repetitive. They tend to use the same messages. So yeah, like even even myself as as like a quote unquote nerd or a geek or whatever, I, I'm finding it's it's yeah, you geek out a lot. No, <laughs> I do, but I've I've been finding that due to the repetitiveness nature of these films, it's kind of brought the geekdom, if you will, to this other place that it, it never has been before. Yeah, it's more popular and it's like yay, mm-hmm. but now it's become this almost like a. a this churning money machine and they yeah. just pump it out and don't care about maybe how the character was portrayed before through the comic books. It was like, nope, this is how we want it and we're going to put it out. Constant reboots. And, it, it, well, yeah. it, Spider-Man 3, or sorry, Spider-Man is my <laughs> okay. biggest okay. contention. <laughs> I know, I, I know exactly, exactly where you go and it's all about money. And like, <laughs> no, no, it's, no, no it's, it's the third hard reboot. There's it three is. different it is. series of Spider-Man. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yeah. That people go and watch it. Which... 
No, because the best Everyone's story, free to do. the best story is the origin, the origin story. Yeah, that's the best one. Yeah, right. Okay. And then it's a bi- fighting everybody. Yeah. All right. That's one of that's one of the reasons <laughs> that I, I try not to repeat myself. <laughs> you know, and why I have different styles. Yes. You know, because but know. still very overall your art style it is you like yeah. when I look at your art I can see no this is Duncan okay. well that's why we drove I drove by your your yeah, art studio and I was like that looks like Duncan's stuff and I was like that's oh, your really? origin correct oh even though it's totally different was that, I wouldn't say different is that the um, skulls in the window what really no okay so <laughs> it is uh, what, I'll, what I'll point out is that naked your, women in the window was it I didn't, haven't seen that yet oh, okay. I have well, to go by you real go slow <laughs> But no, like, what, what really did it was your colors, your use of colors, right. and how you use them. And I, and I love the way it's, like I commented before, it's, there are so many colors on your pages, but they are, they have their purpose. Mm-hmm. They are, it's not just like a shotgun blast and there's colors everywhere. It's like you, you've used so many different colors, but in a very controlled, controlled way, way. but they're so, they're varying. Like even, um, I was looking at the cover of the, the Nightgale or sorry, Nightwatch. The night wall. Yeah. And your characters, up. like your characters are so vivid from each other and there's so many different colors, but they all work together. Now, why? Why is that? Yeah. Why? How do you do that? Well, it's, the idea is that you're trying to create individual characters that are distinct from one another. But they don't. And you're suggesting different cultures or different backgrounds. For sure. And, but they don't you know, outshine each other. Like no one, no one from this is standing out and saying, true. I am better. They are all within their own hues. Yeah, you can pick your favorite. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you can. Yeah. But I'm not saying like like I'll use the example like the Power Rangers, right? You have the Red Ranger who is the leader, and he stands out above everyone else. Red, yeah. Not because he's red, <laughs> but because it's just you know that. Yeah. But your characters, they all seem to stand on their own. I don't know that. Okay. <laughs> From my, yeah. anyways, I'm geeking out again. But like, I, I love your use Power of colors. Sort of <laughs> but that's what for me. Yeah. Uh, basically gave you away on that is your use of different colors oh, okay. and how you use them. Right? Yeah. 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 All right. Let's bring this around to the sayings. <laughs> yeah. All right. Same. And we gave Duncan a fair warning. So who would like to start today with the sayings? You go. You guys go first. In a minute. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll go guess. dark on you. I'll start. Okay. Um, so one that uh, was used a lot uh, in my family gatherings was uh, once on the hips or once on the lips, forever on the hips. Oh wow. Once and this was usually done in dessert. Mean? That's very sexual. It was it was never used in that no, term, but okay, it was, sorry, it, was <laughs> it was used in, during dream. dessert. So I think my grandfather would usually say it, and it was like after he had eaten his cheesecake, like, cheesecake. Oh, or something I get it. Like that. yeah. <laughs> sorry, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was like a common thing every year. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So it it just simulates. Well, if you eat that, it's mm. going right under your hips. Yeah, there's a similar one for enjoyment too, but I don't I don't remember right now. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, but I like that one. What do you got? I got, I'm going to read it first in German, of course. Das blaue Auge vom Himmel versprechen. Oh, that das, makes total das so blaue much sense. Das vom Himmel versprechen. <laughs> so this means, my translation word by word means the blue promise from the sky. The blue promise from the sky. Interesting. So don't look, don't look. What do, I you, can, what do you think it means? Every, maybe every day the sky is going to be blue, like tomorrow the sky is going to be blue type deal. So it's a good idea and it's wrong. <laughs> Dang it again! <laughs> now, when, for example, you go somewhere and somebody is a salesperson, he's gonna tell you, "I'm gonna make the best deal on this truck, and this okay. truck is uh, it's the second-hand truck, and it's actually right. a piece of shit." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then you like, he says, "It's the best of the best." Yeah. So he it's, he makes a promise that he cannot be fulfilled. 
It cannot be fulfilled. Oh, uh, okay. So he I is love that. he's great. promising the blue of the sky. the sky. Yeah, I like my meaning better. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's why it's yours. No, but I, I feel like, I don't know. It's like an American movie producer. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's like a snake oil salesman, essentially. Yeah, like That's what we call someone like that. Mm. And I know we haven't done words for a while. Yeah, I know. But I want to say one word. It's fremdschämen. It's very specific. Fremdschämen? Yeah, which if I would translate it word by word, it means exterior shame. Because okay. it does not exist in English. But it means when you are actually ashamed of somebody else's action. Is it is it like shame for them? Yes. Is it like visual? Yeah, or is it like no? Like uh, you would do something that's totally inappropriate, and then you are ashamed. And I was just like, oh my god. Oh okay. Oh neat. You guys, there's no word in English for that, right? There's not. I am ashamed. That's about for somebody else. For somebody else. Yeah. See, it's uh, like a sentence, and in German, it's it's like a word. Stranger shame. I'm gonna use that in my okay. next novel. Yeah. No one will know what it means, but <laughs> yeah, you have to. All your characters shaman. just say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, look it up. That's it. Okay. Oh, we want mine. Oh, yeah. mine's dark. Uh, <laughs> well, I, we're talking about superhero movies. This is actually mm-hmm. a, a theme of a lot of, uh, uh, of the genre. One man's vision of heaven, ruled over earth, is another man's hell. Oh. So Thanos, yes. you know Thanos, yeah. right? He wants Absolutely. to destroy everything because he wants to make things better. You're so miserable, you know. Uh, but it, I, originally, I think the historian that where I read this, he was referring to communism. And interesting. Okay. A lot of American films have that concept of people who think they can create uh, the perfect future, my way or the highway. So one person's mm-hmm. vision that could be said of religion, it could be said of you know political well, anything systems. At this point, yeah. yeah, but it's a theme that. Ta- turns up in a lot of the superhero films uh, and especially the Watchmen you see it in, in, in the Watchmen are we talking about the movie or the sh- uh, the book the comic book oh uh, okay I, don't know movie. I thought the movie maybe the, I don't know if the movie's the same the the mo- book, my understanding I haven't read the book to be honest but I have an understanding that the movie was a fair portrayal of oh, yeah. it I'm not too sure but yeah, I, I see what you mean like how the, at the end like the guy wants to get rid of um, what is it the mutants or something or he's going to kill everybody right and it but it's his version but that's of the what should be too, right? We don't want any mutants on the planet. If we get rid of them all, everything will be better. Yeah, but the, this is the problem. This it's is the same thing with Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, what, no it's Harry all Potter. over Hollywood. It's all <laughs> yeah. over Hollywood. It's yeah. even in the James Bond films. Yeah. Like the bad guy wants to what was it Moonraker? He wants to kill everybody on the, all the humans on the planet and then repopulate it because mm-hmm. everyone is so terrible that we. My vision will save everything, right? And uh, which is actually. Uh, what causes the problem is the idea that you can make the world peaceful mm-hmm. is what ends up destroying it. That's very interesting. And what yeah. the Europeans have learned as a result of uh, 70 years, well, I think they, they knew it earlier, but they, in the last 70 years have been the longest period of peace in Europe yeah, for like 3,000 years. Uh, my parents, yeah. they, were, they never went to war. Mm-hmm. Like Your parents the, never went to war, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is like that's the, unusual. This is like like the first generation, really. Like my yeah. mom was born in nineteen sixty, so she's now sixty something, and she never went. Mm-hmm. So they never experienced war. And my grandparents might have killed your grandparents. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Because my grandfathers are shooting Nazis and stuff. Yeah. Um, so as an EU member, I'm very proud of it. And and what what keeps the EU together? And a lot of people don't actually like this, especially if they're. Uh, um, 
anti uh, what do you call it? anti-capitalist is that trade is the big thing that keeps all these countries together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, initially it was if we know what germany is trading with uh in terms of uh metal metals with other countries we know if they're building tanks or not secretly somewhere <laughs> that was right. kind of yeah, the original yeah, thing we know where the materials yep. are going we know yep. what they're building right yep. uh nuclear uh, materials for or stuff that iran has you know yep. but by having having everyone trading with each other for business it creates closer connections and i was amazed when i went to europe there i i was disappointed i thought how come i can't get i can't get where do i go to get stamps in my passport, no, yeah. I want I want a stamp uh, from every damn there's no country. More borders, right? There's no borders, yeah. and not even are there no borders. There's no signs. I don't even know when I got into Germany. Mm. We we're driving along well, the autobahn, no borderline, eh? you know, going from Holland <laughs> to Holland to Germany. I'm like, are we yeah. in Germany now? Where are we? That would be oh, we were in Germany yeah. a half an hour ago. What? Can you imagine driving down the United States and not knowing you're in the United States? No, uh, you'd have to have Can't. some kind of bush thing, you know. But even then, they catch you. Hmm? Even then, they catch you. I read an article recently. They tried to cross somewhere in the wild, and they just caught them. How do they catch them? They got drones or something? No, they just roll up on them. Probably. There's actually a family that's that's suing them right now. Satellites. Because the family went down a bush road, had no idea. Supposedly. Supposedly, and the police pulled them over, and then like subjected them to like harsh conditions and stuff like this. Oh, yeah. Well, just to scare everyone else from doing the same thing. Maybe you can swim across a river and go to the United States if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah you can swim across. Let's not talk too much about area. this. <laughs> <laughs> Where yeah. is this river? I have no idea. Yeah, we, we, just, <laughs> we just get on the weirdest topics. Yeah, yeah. But th- this is a topic that I think uh, is going to come up in one of my books. I think. Mm. What are you working on right now? Uh, a novel. It's called We Play You. Okay. And it's for adults, and it's going to be part of a trilogy. Of, Very nice. Hopefully, if I can find a publisher. Otherwise, I put the other two books on hold. And the second one's called Hot Comma, and the third one's called The Artist. Ooh. And uh, it's uh, about this artist who, uh, well, in the first book, We Play You, he's, uh, he's, he's had his artwork stolen by a gallery. It's based on a true story. So this gallery shuts down, and all the artists get their work stolen. But he leaves his phone number, his phone line open, so people call him and leave messages and whatnot. So when they go to the police, the police say, "Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, civil matter. You got to take him, take the guy to court." So they're able to get his address. Well, they don't get his address, but the police have his address and whatnot. And they say, and they say, "Well, you take him to court. You can follow that process, and that will take forever and whatnot." So this guy thinks, "Ah, I can't be bothered with the the court process. I'll try and find the other artists who had their work stolen." And it turns out that it's more difficult than he thought. And he doesn't know why. And it's planned that way. Mm. So this, this guy who owns this gallery is very smart. He has, a, he has multiple openings, one day after the other. So the artists in the show don't actually, they only meet one or two others. Like each opening is a terrible opening. Mm. And the artists are all disappointed that nobody showed up. But it's <laughs> spread at over a three or four day period. And so when the, artist, when, the, when the gallery shuts down, he gives them like half an hour's notice that he's shutting down the gallery. And there's one guy who actually makes it there, right? And gets his and gets one of his paintings back. So a sting operation is planned when when they finally uh, when the uh, um, one person who gets his work back is going to get another work back from from him. Mm-hmm. So all the other artists show up at the same time. <laughs> okay. And they sting him on the street and they call the police and the police come and this guy this guy has no option. He has to tell them, yeah, I'm, I'm, he has to tell the police, I'm, yes, I'm returning their work. And the cops will say, well, when? And where do you have the work? Mm-hmm. Right? 
So they avoid the court process, and this guy has to return the work. Yeah. And the idea for the novel is that this is actually connected to an international ring. Gotcha. But he doesn't know. He doesn't know until this woman he has modeling for him is working for uh, an investment company. Oh yeah. And they have just bought an X-ray machine to X-ray paintings that are coming from China, and they don't know why the hell they've been uh, asked to buy an X-ray machine. And then there's a much darker wow. thing that opens up throughout the uh, book. Just, it just spans And through. it gets bigger and bigger. And then I'm expanding it into two other books after that. And then it becomes an international thing. Crazy. And eventually this guy gets kidnapped. And, uh, and then I can't, can't yep. describe it more. Well, but, yeah, I don't uh, want to go don't no, well, give it all away. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't want to give it all away. But the idea is that I, uh, when you got the idea, it was just like, oh, this is awesome. Well, it just I have to write going, it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's based on a true story. Yeah. This, this guy shutting down his gallery and trying to steal my work and everyone else's work. Yeah, so yeah. this is what we did. We did a sting operation. So there's half the, half the novel is based on a, a novella that I ended up writing that was as true as I could make it, a nonfiction story. Mm-hmm. But then when you turn it into a fictional story, you have to change quite a bit to... Right, smooth it out and get it all uh, get it all to work, and then there's elements of discussing racism yeah. and other things in it. Oh, stuff. crazy! People who have their work stolen are Chinese and they're taken advantage of because they're not uh, okay. used to the or they just you know new residents yeah. to, the, to the culture. So there's a lot going on, but it's it's fun to write when you know the ideas have all come together. Mm-hmm. So, and, and as an adult novel, suddenly you have to work a little harder to get the language right. And, Oh, yeah, for sure. The grammar and yep. trying to be interesting and figure out a style. Like, what's my adult writing style going to be like? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll just find the mystery novels and go that way and maybe throw in a bit of Joseph Conrad or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Well, maybe maybe you'd like to leave us, like we don't have much time now, but maybe you'd like to leave us what you, uh, maybe some advice you'd like to give some other artists who are aspiring, you know, authors or illustrators or anything like that. Advice? Yeah. You're as. What do you think the best advice? Oh my gosh, it's too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, one of the things I found really valuable was in the art world mm-hmm. uh, is there's a huge emphasis right now on emotional expression or expressing yourself or aesthetics and finding your your style. Mm. Um, and when I've asked children in, in classrooms you know what do you what is art for what does it do for you the kids are saying oh it's you know it's great therapy or uh, you get to express yourself and I say well what what else can art do for you and then I, I, I explain that there are other functions of art that historically um, uh, do all kinds of things for us one of them is feelings of plenty yeah so I give this example of feelings of, there's a dog yeah sorry so uh, Oh, here it goes. <laughs> Between the legs. And uh, cave painters, 30,000 years ago, painted animals on the walls of the caves. And it's a big mystery. Why do they do this? Yeah. Well, it's, it, the answer is actually really simple. Animals that they painted were, for the most part, uh, migrating animals. They need them for food, uh, for tools, for clothing, yeah. shelter. So the animals are very important. But they disappear to the winter. But if you have the animals depicted in a cave and I'm sure they had little toys and dolls that they made they made animals too they, they just don't survive because they deteriorate after right. 30,000 years but trapped in a cave the, the, the paintings last but if you walked into a cave that was covered with animals it would make you feel good 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, for Is sure. It's the same reason that we have curtains that have oh, yes. fruit on them because you look outside. It's winter and it's dead outside, but the fruit reminds you that. That's why we have pictures of people or yeah. uh, or we have paint. We have paintings of flowers because flowers die. But you keep you keep them. Well, yeah, so, that's like like myself. I used to work uh, construction. Anyways, yeah, we got to roll out. But oh, okay. for construction, it would be in a dark area forever, and you come outside and you'd see the sun. You're like, it's like this. Relaxing, ha, ah, comes right. over you. Yeah. Exactly. Anyways, yeah, we, yeah. we are so sorry. Oh, no, because right. we want to stay in this one hour, we got to get 10 seconds. So, Duncan, so much. Thank you so much yeah. for being on tonight. Thank you awesome. very much for having me. Yeah. And this, this is, is Us by the Giant, episode 34. And this is a wrap. Everybody, Done. thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>